You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Frustrated. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. And Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. Alabama, Ron and Todd. Every Bama fan's behind you. Hit your stride. The Alabama brand is built on tradition, legacy, and excellence. SEC championships, national championships, All-American, Heismans, and success at the next level. Decades of unforgettable plays and championship moments. This is where legends are made. As part of their time at the University of Alabama, our student-athletes now have the opportunity to use their name, image, and likeness to enhance their experience. Wearing the Alabama name on the front of the jersey means I'm a part of something bigger. But the name on the back of the jersey gives me the power to invest in myself and my future. My name. My image. My likeness. We need every Alabama fan to help push the legacy and tradition forward by supporting us, the student athletes of the University of Alabama. We're excited to announce Yay Alabama as the official University of Alabama NIL entity. Alabama fans, we need you behind us. Contribute to Yay Alabama today by visiting yay-alabama.com and roll tide roll tide roll tide roll tide roll tide welcome into big noon sports matt coulter along with lars anderson and christian miller as we bring you yet another show on this dreary thursday afternoon as uh, you just heard, the, the new Alabama pro- promotional announcement that they posted on Twitter earlier today, you're the voices of Chris Stewart and then many other coaches and players just absolutely lauding the efforts of the University of Alabama athletic program and therefore establishing a new NIL platform. This one's called Yay Alabama. Good as name as any, in my opinion. But it's just another example of how Nick Saban, his staff, and many other programs are doing this, too, are just making an effort to get the fans involved. Really, to not just get them involved. Let's, let's be brutally honest here, Lars. They're, they want the wallet, you know? That, and that's not a bad thing. That's how you compete these days. So the university is urging their fan base to uh, make contributions. And guess what? They will. How you doing today, Lars? Doing great. Doing great. And uh, I am looking at the 2023 consensus football team recruiting rankings. Uh, This is courtesy of On3, and they do a great job. And they also average out uh, what every NIL, what, what the average player's NIL is worth in each class. 
So kind of some fascinating stuff, right? So Alabama, uh, again, wins the recruiting national championship. And uh, I've said this many times. uh, Several years ago, I didn't really buy into there being a correlation between finishing one, two, or three in recruiting and then uh, where you finished three years ago or three years later, excuse me. But uh, I was totally wrong on that. (laughs) There's absolutely a correlation, (laughs) absolutely a correlation because I think uh, these recruiting sites uh, led by guys like Andrew Bone uh, here in Alabama, uh, they do such a good job and they have developed like, you know, a scout's eye and uh, yet they're sort of reporters. And so Alabama has uh, is ranked number one. And the average NIL, according to uh, on three, of what an Alabama uh, recruit can expect to make, and I'm guessing this is on an annual basis, or I, I'm not sure, but it's, uh, it, it's 184000 All right, Georgia comes in at number two. And their average NIL is 103000 Now, this is where it gets interesting. Texas comes in at number three. The average NIL there is 296000 That's 100000 more, 112000 more than Alabama. Uh, Ohio- and that's all going to Arch Manning. <laughs> Basically, yes. Um <laughs> And so Alabama has, uh, again, this is according to On3, uh, seven five stars. And as I mentioned a few days ago, Nebraska, mark the time, 1206. Uh, Nebraska hasn't had a five-star since the year 2000, which is just blows, blows my mind. And Alabama has seven in this one class. Uh, yeah, good well, luck. One report says they'll end up with close to nine. Have you seen that report, which is just I, I, it's I, astronomical I, in recruiting numbers? Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, I, I have seen that. And, and look, different sites have different, um, you know, different methods of giving stars out. But I, I want to stick with on three because that is a trust. Right. And so um, we all agree. Yeah. So uh, number four is Ohio State. And they have zero five stars. Uh, the average NIL for Ohio State is ninety eight thousand. Uh, LSU at five. Uh, average NIL seventy seven thousand. Miami is at six. Average NIL seventy thousand. Oklahoma at seven. And I'll quit giving the NIL number. Uh, Oklahoma seven. Oregon eight. Notre Dame nine. Clemson ten. Florida eleven. Tennessee 12, USC 13, Penn State 14, Texas A&M 15, South Carolina, Shane Beamer, good for him, 16. When was the last time South Carolina was 16th in the final recruiting rankings? Auburn. When Spurrier uh, was there. Yeah. (laughs) Auburn making a great late push, a great late push with Hugh Freeze goes up to 17. Uh, TCU at 18, Michigan at 19, Florida State at 20, Utah 21, Ole Miss 22, Mississippi State 23, Arkansas 24, Michigan State 25. Nebraska, hey, Matt Rule, you're kicking butt uh, up to 29. 
so, and Nebraska is also in play for the number one player of the class of 2024. Should just mention that is is a, a quarterback last name Rayola out of Phoenix, and his uncle was an All American. I'm sorry, his dad was an All American at Nebraska. His uncle is on staff at Nebraska. And Nebraska's pinning all their hopes around uh, this kid, Dylan Rayola. So uh, I really doubt anyone in Birmingham or Tuscaloosa cares about that. But uh, he had uh, committed to Ohio State, and now he's reopened his commitment. And, uh, hey, Lars, I want to I want to yep. backtrack just a second here and go back to the NIL number. And, and you may have mentioned this, and if it slipped by me, it wouldn't surprise anyone. But what were the numbers in NIL for LSU and Miami? LSU, the average NIL for the each player seventy seven thousand. Miami uh, is seventy thousand. Now that is not to I'm say surprised by that. Well, I, I believe it, it. It has to do with a player's performance, a, play, a projected performance, uh, players' current sort of social following on social media. Uh, th- there's a lot of of ways that they they measure that, and we we went over it the other day. And it's a totally inexact science because we're dealing with variables that we've never dealt with before. And um, I think it's just lower because of the, the the players that they have aren't necessarily as good as the players that Alabama has, right? Uh, they they uh, so by this formula, the more five stars you have, their potential for NIL raises the entire exactly water, raises all boats. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, the idea being that you're going to become a more high-profile player if you're better, and then you will uh, then attract more interest and uh, then uh, rake in more money via NIL. So um, I know that uh, uh, yesterday uh, when Nick Saban was talking to boosters and and uh, and I, some VIP fans and, and some former players, inclu- including Christian Harris. And, and once uh, Christian uh, arrives, we'll, we'll get uh, some insight into what, what Coach Saban was saying. But I know that he, he went on quite a bit about NIL and, and what needs to change. And, and, I, and I think we all agree there just, there just has to be some standards of how it's administered and it can't be used as an inducement to uh recruiting a player you know it it it, it, basically it it, you can't pay for potential you pay for performance right that that's the way it should be i mean that's yeah uh, but there's a gap there allowing teams to do just that i know and and Uh, and that gap needs that gap needs to be closed in my opinion I agree, and what I what I also worry about is that as these teams build these collectives and start using what is allowable now, I don't think the NCAA can back up on that. Can they redo it all? I I, I don't think so. I don't uh, think so either. We need we need a powerful NCAA college commissioner. Hey, uh, yesterday we found out the news that Tom Brady had retired, one of his uh, longtime coaches, and. Um, 
a, a really good Birmingham guy from UAB, Rick Christoffel, who was a senior offensive uh, coach for um, for the Tampa Bay Bucks. He will join us in just a couple of minutes to talk about Brady, the NFL, and all, and his retirement. As imagine as a as a matter of fact. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Under the biggest cactus in town, Taco Casa. Quality is, is number one. you got to start with a good quality product, but it's got to be at a good value to the customers. Everything is about quality. You just can't. Linger the low at 33. Tomorrow, a brighter day, becoming mostly sunny, the high 50. And Saturday, sunny with a high at 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 43 degrees in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> favorite local guys. I consider him a Birmingham guy in many ways. Of course, he uh, went on to Arizona and then Tampa in the NFL ranks and just recently retired as um, a senior offensive coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hey, Rick, it's the gang here in Birmingham. How are you, man? I'm doing good, Matt. How you doing? Oh, man, life is good. It's a little rainy and dreary here, but, uh, you know, we're all very, very blessed at this particular time. Hey, what are you going to do? Uh, I'm going to uh, relax. <laughs> I'm going to relax a while and, and uh, just step away from it. And, uh, you know, it's it's been a good run. We had a great run the last four years here in Tampa, and uh, it's been a good run over the last 15, 20 years. I tell you what he's going to do. He's going to stir up trouble with Bruce Arians uh, there on the lake in <laughs> Reynolds Plantation. <laughs> You're right. You're exactly right. Uh, I didn't want to say, but. <laughs> well, uh, Rick, here, I'll start. Um, were you surprised by Tom's decision to retire? And also, um, did you guys ever put a radar gun on him this last year? And did he did he lose any heat off of his, uh, off his fastball? It didn't appear so. No, he, he didn't. He was. It's amazing what he did at forty five. So, I mean, it's it's absolutely amazing. He didn't. He didn't lose any kind of arm speed or anything like that. I, I just, I don't know if um, it didn't surprise me uh, a great deal, um, but I know he didn't want to go out the way we did, because uh, that's just the way he competitor. That's just the kind of competitor he is. Um, so, uh, you know, I never talked to him that much about it, and, and of course, he never talked to anybody else much about it. So, it's it's uh, it's a little bit of a surprise. Rick, I know you were the coach, but was there anything that you learned from Tom being around him? Oh, it was amazing. He was the most positive person um, on the field. It, is, it didn't make any difference. He always thought, you know, and, and we always thought, and you always think about as coaches, you're going to win. But when he steps on the field, you know you got a chance all the time. And um, 
I, I think it, it, it was the thing that you don't. The game's not over until the final whistle, and uh, he and if he had the ball in his hands and we had a chance to win, we we knew that we we probably were going to win the game. Rick, I want to go back to your uh, stepping away from a game that you have, man, you have donated literally uh, blood, sweat, and tears to for so long. Uh, was it tough to make this decision, or did you just go, I, uh, I want to go sit by the pool, play golf by the lake in Georgia? You know, it was it was a tough year this year, and uh, a lot of things, you know, happened, and um, it, it, was, it was one of those things where, I got to the end and, and I was kind of relieved and at peace with the decision. Um, could I stay to one more year? Yeah, I could have, but I thought this was the best time to do it. And Connie sure thought it was the best time to do it. So, um, <laughs> uh, I, th- I, th- you know, I had a little, I had, I had a little physical thing at the end of the year, so I didn't go to the Atlantic game. and I didn't miss any of the watching the film stuff and all that stuff. The stuff you're going to miss. And it probably will be, as everybody knows, is the camaraderie that you have at game day. It's, it's just, you know, you can't you can't put that into words uh, uh, of what you do, and how because you work so much with these guys, and uh, that's the part you'll miss the most. You know, Rick. You obviously, that, uh, yep. Connie and your family, um, and and you have family closer to them. Uh, you're as opposed to Tampa. So I imagine that weighed in your decision. And, and by the way, if, uh, tell Connie and the gang we all said hey. I will. I will. And it, it did. It did. You know, now we get a chance to, you know, we get a chance to go see all the grandkids. They're all growing. They're all playing sports. And, uh, and you know, one's in gymnastics. One, I got two of them playing uh, baseball. Matter of fact, I got two of them squaring off against each other uh, next week sometime. I got uh, one one granddaughter playing soccer and, one playing everything, and then uh, you know it's 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 going to be fun to go around and see them play and, and watch them grow and and and, and uh, get to see them do the things that they love. Rick, I I guess this is just life of being uh, an assistant coach in the NFL, but uh, I I was surprised uh, by uh, Todd Bowles uh, firing Byron Leftwich who just two years ago I thought was uh, in the position to become a, a head coach. Uh, I was surprised that uh, that Todd McNair was let go, and, and, uh, and I especially uh, I got to know Lori Locust quite well, the assistant defensive line coach. Is it just uh, a matter of, of Coach Bowles? And I, and I don't want to put you in an awkward position at all, but is this a matter of Coach Bowles just wanting to bring in – some kind of fresh blood and, uh, and and some of his own people, rather than to keep the staff that uh, Bruce had assembled. Well, I, I, you know, I think it's a combination of a lot of things, and um, and like you said, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get into it a whole lot, but uh, you hit the nail on the head. This was, you know, this was a guys that Bruce put together, and I think uh, some of it has to do with Todd wanting some of his own people, and and uh, you know, and, and it's like you said, it's part of being an assistant coach. You know, this is this is our nineteenth move, and it's and, you know this is the fifth time I've you know I've either been let go or have gone somewhere else. So um, it's nothing new. You know, it, it's it's uh, nothing new in this situation, and uh, uh, hopefully everything will work out, and they'll get the right people hired and continue to 
continue to have a, a, a great organization. What is the hardest part? Uh, and I know that that you 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 have retired, but during all those moves you had to make during your career, what is the hardest part on your family? Well, you know, it's get, it, sometimes you move in the middle of the year, and, and it happened a few times, and that's the hardest part because they they got to they got to uproot themselves. They got to go somewhere new. They got to get some more friends. They go to a new school. Uh, they might be established in the other school. Um, so that that was and my wife did a great job. You know, I can't say enough. You know, a coach's wife is is the toughest thing. You think we're tough and players are tough? They're not. It's the coaches' wives and the players' wives. They're the toughest people in the world because they got to sit there and they got to do all the listen to all that stuff and and, and you know, move the families and, and take care of all the things. Um, and we're just concentrating on a job. So um, yeah, that's the toughest thing. Rick, you have an extensive coaching background on all levels. You know, a plethora of experience. If you had to choose, which did you prefer best? Did you prefer coaching in college, or did you prefer coaching on the professional ranks in the NFL? You're going to laugh at this, but I, I, the NFL has been great. The NFL has been great. It's, it's changed. College has changed so much. But the, as much fun as I ever had was coaching three years of high school. Wow! And uh, yeah, because they they just want to they want to soak everything up, and and they want to do everything. They just want to listen. And that that was as much fun as I had, and and of course I was young, and, and but it was fun. It, it was a fun time. Uh, Rick, and you started coaching in '75, and you just retired. I'm talking about X's and O's only. What are a couple of things that, in your mind, have just changed drastically, just as far as the game of football is concerned? Well, I think everything comes full circle. I think everything comes full circle, but I think what's changed the game so much is the analytics. Um, when you look at it, everybody, uh, all the coaches now, and, and even in the NFL, a lot of these coaches in the NFL, as a lot of these young coaches, they 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 rely on analytics. You know, it's fourth and one on the twenty yard line with four minutes to go in the game. You're going to go for it, or you're going to punt it. All those things um, have changed that that part of the game so much it's still right the thing is the game itself still boils down to blocking and tackling that's what it boils down to and, and the people that do it the best are usually ones that win it that's that's the ones you have in the super bowl speaking of the super bowl um what do you remember about that night that you guys won the super bowl uh, i believe you guys had a big party at a uh a bar restaurant in downtown tampa you know, it, it was. It was the most unbelievable thing I, that, that I remember about that game is being able to have my family there. All the kids, all the grandkids uh, were there. Uh, they, the grandkids didn't get to go to the game. They got to. They got to go to the NFL experience. But that was. That is the top of the line. That, that's the epitome of of our sport, and to, for them to be there, uh, that was the most fun and most important thing to me. And it was. It was just a great night. How different is playoff football compared to the regular season in the National Football League? Is, do you feel a, a big jump in the competition once the playoffs start? Oh, there's no doubt. The intensity level is raised a hundred times because it's one and done. It's like it's like the uh, Final Four basketball term. You know, it's it's like March Madness. You get into that point, and you've got to be at the top of your game every week 
in the year we won the Super Bowl, um, we went we won eight straight games that you know without making a lot of mistakes and winning games. And the bottom line is, and, it, and it's gotten college the college has gotten this way too. It boils down to attrition. Who's the healthiest at the end of the year? If you're healthy at the end of the year, you get a chance to to make a run once you get in the tournament. Rick, I'm gonna let you go in a second, but do you keep do you and Bruce Arians uh, talk? Because I know you will uh, in retirement. And do you uh, do you ever talk to people like Tuffy and Ho and the guys from UAV? I tried to call Ho uh, not too long ago, but he didn't answer, of course. And I thought, you know, of course, <laughs> Tuffy Tuffy texts Tuffy texts me about every other day, so we stay in touch and and, and do those sort of things and, and go those routes and. and uh, Watson, Watson texted me a lot not too long ago about retirement, about retiring, and, uh, and, and just staying in touch with all those guys. And, and it, it's, it's been fun. And uh, a lot of players have reached out, and that's that's the most exciting thing to me. Well, we certainly enjoyed your time in Birmingham, and to enjoy your time playing golf and having cold beers. Well, that sounds good. And when we get, when we get back to Birmingham, I'm gonna look you up. We're gonna go get another cold beer. Hey, that sounds great. Let's do you, it. Hey. <laughs> You better call. I look forward to it. Congratulations on a really, really successful and uh, rewarding career. Thank you, Rick. Thanks, thanks, thanks Rick. guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Now, uh, I haven't been privileged, but uh, Lars has gone over. I think you have gone over to that. Uh, is it Reynolds Plantation? What is the place over in Georgia? Yeah, I, I call it Reynolds Plantation, but there's actually another name. I think it's just maybe Reynolds, and uh, that's where Bruce has had his golf tournament for several years, and um, and that's where that's where Bruce and and Rick and a whole bunch of other coaches live, and that's where Bruce is going to live full uh, year round, and I believe that's where Rick's going to live year round as well. It's absolutely gorgeous. You just take. You just stay on 20, and you go about three hours into Georgia, and you take a right, and uh, there you are. It, it's, a, it's a beautiful place. And so I have heard. Hey, we talked at the top of the show about the top recruiting class. Who had some of the worst? Don't normally think about that. We'll talk about it on the other side of this break as you listen to Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Paid non spokesperson. Action Matters is responsible for the content of this ad. Attention all women who use Tylenol or other medications containing acetaminophen, including NyQuil or DayQuil, while pregnant. If you or a loved one took Tylenol... Hey, welcome back to the Thursday edition of Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter here in the Crawford Studios. Just a little to our west, you have Lars Anderson and Christian Miller. Of course, our support team extraordinaires, Josh and Joe and Aiden. I was just scrolling through some of the stuff this morning, guys, and I saw an article that would, uh, I think, tweak just about anybody's interest. Somebody has, uh, well, everybody goes into these deep dives in recruiting. Uh, I was going to just get y'all to guess, but it's just really not worth going that. But um, the worst Power Five recruiting rankings are Vanderbilt, Washington State, Rutgers, Kansas, 
and Syracuse. Any reaction to that, Lars? Uh, yeah. Yeah, a little surprised that um, Syracuse is on the list. Uh, they traditionally have a pretty good program, and it seemed like Kansas was on the upswing. I mean, they did beat Texas just two years ago. Um, so those would be the two uh, biggest surprises to me. How about you, Christian? I was going to say Kansas because I I thought, you know, they were kind of a hot name early in the season. Yeah. yeah if I'm not mistaken. And then Lance Leopold, their coach. I mean, I think he was a, a finalist for a, a couple other big, big positions. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Vanderbilt's too much of a surprise. I, I mean, they just kind of at the bottom of the barrel of the SEC. And I, it's a, hey, look, if, if you're all about your education and your degree, I mean, it's not a better school, probably, than SEC to go to. I, but, I, I, I want you know, my son to have a full ride golf scholarship to Vandy. There you go. <laughs> That's can't beat cool. that. <laughs> did you uh, did you play in, in that stadium at Vandy? No, they played at Vanderbilt. That was, I think, the year after I had left that they went in there. I don't know if you remember the. We could probably pull the clip. The guy talking trash. He was a little sassy when he was doing it. Yeah, uh, Alabama, you're next, and then. <laughs> You know, we we saw how that went, <laughs> right? So I don't. I wasn't a part of that. It would have been would have been fun though. I have to confess, uh, Christian. I called you Christian Harris during the first segment. It's not the first time I've done it. It's okay. I apologize. Uh, well, you, let may, it slide. But, you got two. All right, there's two or three strikes now. Okay, right, so you <laughs> use two of them, Mars. You got one. One more strike. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but you said that. You no, know, I got to ask you though. <laughs> I I think I've done it a couple times too. Um, but does that happen often, Christian? No, it, it, it honestly doesn't. I mean, I guess I was telling Lars, I think I did see uh, in a description on a, a video from a broadcast we had done that they made that mistake as well. But this is my first time hearing it now. When I was in school here, we had Christian Bell, who also played outside linebacker, uh, you know, similar skin tone and whatnot, and he was from Hoover. So I, I would sometimes be out and people would say, Oh, uh, Christian, and I'm like, yeah, and they're like, oh, you uh, you went to Hoover, and I'm like, no, no, I'm from <laughs> South Carolina, and they're like, oh, okay, and then I was like, you're, you're mixing me up with Christian Bell, but it happens, I get it, and then plus people, you know, with football, you know, you always have a helmet on, so half the time, unless you're, you know, the quarterback or whoever, they always see, you know, on, on media flyers and what else, and what else, they they don't always really know what you look like per se. They're so used to just seeing you in a uniform. So that also is a scenario, but it's all good. I promise. It's, uh, it's what no position did Christian well, Harris play? No he played inside linebacker, no but yeah. linebacker still. I, I yeah, he played, but, but he was younger than me, um, and he's. I mean, we look nothing alike. Now Christian Bell, I could understand again. Like we play the same position, you know, similar skin tone, whatnot. I mean, I, I could see that maybe being a little easier. But if you stand me, me and Christian Harris next to each other, I mean. We, you would know. Like, okay, they look nothing. Yeah. Like. <laughs> but the names it, are it, it's Harris more, and Miller. It, it is kind of close. It's, yeah. I, I, I in my it. mind, it's just like two linebackers at Alabama named Christian. And no, I, 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 I don't know. Sorry. No. I, I, I will make a point well, at to try to not he's not calling do. you McCaffrey. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that would be funny. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, you want to talk about body styles and skin tones that go the other way? Yeah, yeah. Well, that, uh, that's that a, would be McCaffrey. That that would be a little far fetched. Yeah, that's funny. Hey, did you guys catch any basketball last night? Do you see that Florida? Just do a quick segment on this here as we go to break. Florida just dogged Tennessee, sixty-seven fifty-four, the final. And uh, 
You know, I think that I think that just further distance Alabama from the rest of the field. Would you guys agree? Yeah, I think Alabama's in good shape to win the SEC regular season championship. But, uh, I mean, that game for Tennessee could have been the equivalent of Alabama's game with Oklahoma. It's just one of those nights where things just don't go your way. You know, you have a cold shooting night. Uh, it, it happens in every single sport. And uh, I think that's what happened to Tennessee last night. But I, I think... It seems like Tennessee and Alabama are on a collision course to meet in the SEC tournament in the finals, even with last night's result. Well, Alabama will now go uh, to LSU, and LSU's just not good, let's face it. So we'll see how all of that works out. But uh, And meanwhile, uh, Auburn with a huge crush win over Georgia. Uh, no one should be surprised, although we were just a, a couple of games ago, what Auburn does at, at uh, Neville Arena. Uh, they're just really, really good. And I think right now I would go Alabama, LSU, I mean Alabama, uh, Tennessee, and then I, Texas A&M or Auburn. I don't know, just kind of spitballing here. Yeah, I, I, I'd probably go with Auburn uh, as the third best team in the SEC right now. Um, be interesting when uh, Alabama and Auburn face off. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I was just talking to a couple of the guys uh, here in uh, at Tide 100.9, and um, specifically I was talking to Joe Gaither, who did uh, an epic job today, three hours of radio by himself and with the producers, of course. But um, that Alabama fans, man, if you haven't gone to a game this year, you need to go because um, Brandon Miller is going to be such a star in the NBA. I mean, to me, he's like the second coming of Kevin Durant. And I know that is like really high praise, and that's a lot to live up to. But years from now, if you don't see him play, I think you're going to be regretting it. And uh, that was the point that Joe Gaither kind of made. Well, I feel like that's if you can get in there. The last few games, Lars, yeah, it's true. houses and sold out. Um, you know, the line. I mean, I watched uh, probably hundreds of students get turned away because they sold out so quickly. I mean. People are showing up because they really do want to see this basketball team, and probably in particular Brandon Miller. But uh, I, I love seeing that support that they have, and uh, I really hope they can get that arena built. I think that would be a game changer for the basketball program, and I feel like they very uh, well are deserving at this point. Yeah, they definitely need a new arena. They definitely need a new arena. And something tells me if you made one phone call, you probably could get some tickets. Yeah, I think Chris has got a shot. I usually can probably find uh, some. <laughs> You know, they have the land designated. It's getting the funding, and now that the cost of construction, uh, the interest rate went up again yesterday. I'm sure Christian's aware of that. He's Mr. Financial Guy. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah, that, that, needs, that needs to happen. And um, it's amazing sometimes when you think about the, the quality recruits that Nate's getting because, uh, what is Alabama, middle of the pack in arenas in the SEC, and he's getting all these big-time players? Again, uh, another credit to Nate Oates. All right, there's another hat. There's another well, name in the hat is what I'm trying to say. As far as the OC is concerned at Alabama, that's coming up next.
Covering SEC sports like kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Winning is in the air this February with a $100,000 Cupid's Fortune Plinko at Silver Star at Golden Moon Casinos. Join us every Friday at Saturday nights in February to win a share of $100,000 in cash. Linger the low at 33. Tomorrow a brighter day becoming mostly sunny, the high 50. And Saturday, sunny with a high at 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 43 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports, welcome in. Drive carefully. We're going to get more and more rain. Roads are slick. Good time to always take it down a notch, all right? Doesn't matter if you're in the if you're in a residential neighborhood or particularly on the interstate. So I, I saw a truck on the way in. Nobody injured anything like that, but on 65, it had gone all the way down and almost into backyards right there um, around the uh, 31 Hoover Vestavia exit, so... Now, things like that happen, so be careful. Don't tailgate. Turn on your lights. Turn on your windshield wipers. All right. Turn into James Pan there for me. Um. Anyway, all right, Christian. I know that uh, it's difficult as we just continue to go through name after name after name. But when a guy like Chris Lowe, who is uh, uh, he is as in touch with Alabama and college football as any member of the media I know. When he posts something like he did just a little while ago, uh, let me get the time. He posted this 11.46, February 2nd. So that's just a little while ago. The guy's name that now appears to be top of the charts is Tommy Rees. He is the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. You know anything about this guy? And I will admit to you, Christian, I don't, except that um, he had a chance to follow Brian Kelly to LSU and did not. So that's about it. And we've seen Notre Dame's offense. You got any thoughts on this? You know, I'm uh, just kind of learning about him, just like a lot of other people. But uh, I'm going to tell you, like Coach Saban said yesterday, I was doing the signing day show at Bryant Denny with Chris Stewart um, with the Red Elephant Club there. And uh, Coach Saban came up and offered some words and sounded like he just wanted to get something off his chest. And he basically was saying, like, you know, it, it, all these people are inquiring about these coordinators. And he's like, if you want to do my job for me, go ahead and apply. <laughs> he said, the pay is great, but if you think you can do a better job than me, go ahead. Basically just telling these people, like, look, you guys just need to relax and let them do what they do. Basically what I've been saying, like, again, this is not new to them. They're going to do the due process. They're going to take their time. They're going to interview people. And they're going to get the right people for the job. And I think sometimes people get too caught up in names and and whether it's coaches or players, they just go off of what's on paper and you can't do that. Right. I mean, half the the people and coach Saban pretty much said this. I mean, half the coaches he's brought in here, no one really knew of them before he brought them here. They made a name for themselves after they left here or what they did, why they were here working with him or under him. So I think it's one of those things where you just have to trust him and uh, you know, in, in his process and just know that you know he's going to hire somebody who he feels um, is best fit for the job, and that offers the most of the program. And I think that's what he's doing. He's taking his time and going through the list. But 
you also have to understand too that it's not always easy finding people um, that are best fit for Alabama because um, you know that not saying that these coaches won't be able to run what they want to run, but at the end of the day, we also know um, Coach Saban runs a tight ship, and uh, sometimes it's a little difficult to get uh, everyone um, you know down in Tuscaloosa and in, in, um, in a coaching position because not everybody is fit for it, just like not every player is fit for this program. And so, um, you know, what I understand about Tommy Reese is he's a young guy. Um, I think he played quarterback in college and you know he um, has been their coordinator the past several years um but you have to look at other variables i know that they had like the number 60 offense nationally um this past season uh, they averaged you know just shot uh, just uh, over 396 yards a game um uh, but just, there's a lot of variables that go into that you know he didn't necessarily have the talent there at notre dame that he might have uh not might but that he would have coming to a place like alabama um, you know, they're, they're playing different opponents. So you, you never know. I mean, this people can criticize or scrutinize just because the name and he might not be as popular as some of these other names, but then he could get here and then um, be the next great thing. And then all of a sudden people are going to be praising it. So I, I think you just got to be patient and uh, just trust Coach Saban and Greg Byrne because um, they obviously do a phenomenal job getting the right people in place. I mean, you look at the the hires that Greg Byrne has been a part of since he's been here. He obviously knows what he's doing in terms of um, you know going out and finding the right people for the job. So those are just my overall thoughts so far. I'll probably learn some more about um, Tommy Reese, a potential candidate, offensive coordinator, moving forward just like everybody else. But right now it seems like um, he's a person of interest, and uh, anybody that they support and they think is uh, a good candidate, then I'm going to uh, support as well and, and be behind them 100%. Well, as long as you were there and you were talking up Alabama and the new NIL, um, did Nick have anything else to offer? Oh, yeah, he had a lot to offer. Honestly, he sounded like he wanted to just get a lot of stuff off of his chest last night, and it's not like I'm spilling any secrets. I mean, anybody um, <laughs> that was in attendance – heard what he had to say you know he touched on those things there were some questions from the audience asking about nil and you know they they kind of gave a sneak peek to the program that they just announced today um the yay alabama program um which i'm still trying to understand because they had the high tide traditions program which was kind of similar to my understanding um i guess they kind of just revamped and rebranded maybe or made their own um but so they touched on that and uh yeah, he, he basically, you know, said a number of good things. He talked about the recruiting class because that was, you know, kind of the main priority. But he also touched on the fact that, you know, right now NIL is, is the new uh, – it's his new landscape in college football. And you have to adjust and you have to adapt. And, uh, you know, he obviously isn't, you know, in favor of this Wild West-type deal we have going on where people are paying for play and, um, you know, paying and outbidding guys to come to school. But at the same time – um, you know, he, he's going to stick to his standard and, you know, we, we've learned that he's not just going to pay guys, just a number that they throw out there and, you know, he's going to stick to his guns and just say, Hey, and he, I like what he said. He made a great point. He said, I'd rather walk away from a guy that's asking for a whole bunch of money because if he's asking for a whole bunch of money, that tells me he's chasing the money. He's not chasing the opportunity. And if he's chasing the money now, how, how do I know a year from now he's not going to chase it again when you have an agent saying, hey, if you jump in the portal, I can get you even more money. So he said that leads me to believe he's going to be chasing money the whole time. So why would I why would I go out my way and pay a kid this? And I can't even guarantee that he's not going to continue to chase the money while he's here. 
So I really liked hearing him say that because it's a great point. Um, it just shows you, um, you know, some people have their, their priority set on, on things like money and others have their priority set on being the best player that they can be, um, being passionate about football and wanting to uh, come in and play for a, a prestigious university like the University of Alabama. And uh, I'm all uh, uh, with him uh, on that. And uh, I really liked what he had to say about it. He also told a lot of those people <laughs> – he said, look, you guys are kind of spoiled rotten. He said, I'm okay with the standard. But he, he basically just called him out and said, hey, you got to understand, like, you know, it, it, if you're going to be so critical of our standard, you need to support us that same way. And he said, when I first got here, there was 95,000 people in that stadium. He said, is it still like that today? No, because he said, y'all are spoiled. He said, but if y'all are going to be so critical of things and want that result, you need to show up in that same capacity. So a lot of great things he said, and I, I, uh, I loved every bit of it. Yeah, and uh, he has said that on a, on a couple of occasions, and um, it just goes to show you how difficult this NIL situation has become. And this is not just at the University of Alabama, but, I mean, you being a college football coach, whether you're a head coach or an assistant, it's tough enough already. I mean, it's 24-7-12. And now you add this to what they have to deal with? I mean, I'm sure the assistant coaches, when they go out, they're being approached, and their uncles and you know, aunts and so forth are going, well, what about our NIL? What about our NIL? But I think uh, Saban has done as he often does. He's established his criteria, and by God, he's not going to waver. This is the way it's going to be. Play for Alabama first. Play for NIL second, third, or fourth. I want to talk a little bit more about Tommy Rees, also next hour. Uh, longtime friend and broadcast journalist, Jeff Spiegel from 3340 will join us. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. The radio stations of Town Square Media, Tuscaloosa, want to make your big game tailgate party better with Pepsi. One winner will win a big game tailgate party with a big 60-inch flat screen television. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Hey, welcome into hour number two of Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter along with Christian Miller. Uh, Lars has darted from the studios in Tuscaloosa, tied 100.9, our affiliate there, so that he can go and uh, teach journalism to those in need. If you're just tuning in our show and don't know, Lars, in addition to his other accomplishments with Penn, uh, is also a professor at the University of Alabama. I have uh, guest lectured a couple of his classes and. um, really really cool to see how eager and absolutely how much they have outdistanced me in the social media world <laughs> but you gotta have it man you gotta have it you gotta do it hey let me run through some of the headlines here christian and then i want to get back to tommy Rees. uh the recruiting numbers are in surprising absolutely no one uh, it's alabama georgia texas ou and ohio state university Yesterday, and Christian was a part of it, and I'm going to ask him real quick to just give us a, a kind of a brief note on it. You were there for the announcement of this new Yay Alabama. It is a, a collective, and Saban urges the fans to pull out the wallet, get out the checkbook. Is that am I pretty much surmising that? I guess I'm, I'm still trying to understand it. Uh, from my understanding, you know, fans can basically subscribe you get a subscription i'm sure there's some type of you know benefits of doing so but 100 percent of the proceeds are is going to 
the student athletes, right? Um, so it's 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 similar to these other collectives, I believe. Um, you know, but I think it's uh, their their new way of really uh, taking on NIL now that they have a better understanding. That was one thing they were kind of talking about that you know initially when everything broke loose, they they tried to you know jump into it as soon as they could, and, and they felt they did a pretty good job of that without you know running into the ground because again, like you know, they were trying to figure out what can we do, what can't we do, while also trying to keep up with everyone else. And now that they've had time to really understand this process and this how this new landscape of college football really is they've been able to kind of come together and and come up with this and formulate this yay alabama program so that's what they have right now i I know some fans are kind of on the fence about it because they feel like you know it's just (laughs) more of a reason to to, for them to get their checkbooks out like you just said and and keep uh, paying more and more but um you know unfortunately that's just the way college football is right now and and to to keep up and compete um you, you have to come up with programs like this so um, I, I think you know some some good will come out of it. I at least like that there's some order in, in legislation that they're they're using right now to kind of keep things contained, at least. So um, I, I think there's some positives from it, and I'm sure we'll learn a lot more about it uh, as things kind of continue to roll out. Last night, big upset in the SEC as Florida beat Tennessee by a score of 67 to 54. Um, Alabama obviously off since they had that unbelievable win against Vanderbilt on Tuesday night. Uh, they're at LSU this weekend. Auburn, big win over Georgia, double digits, and then some. They will uh, take on Tennessee, team that lost at Gainesville last night. Um, back to the offensive coordinator of the day. That's a pretty good way. Oh, man. Can we talk about recruiting for a second, man? I just want to just kind of just go over this sure. class because we were talking about it. It's fresh on my mind. And uh, going through that yesterday, um, there's definitely a lot to be excited about. Um, when you look at this class, just it's my second time, you know, doing the show on these guys. Um, no one else was added since early signing day. Um, but going back through it, man, just really looking at this class, it's, it's really impressive. Um, and it, and it's very telling as to what they are going, uh, or what they're looking to move forward or move toward too in the near future. I mean, you look at the offensive line, these guys have some very impressive stature really big guys with length, big frames. I mean, these guys average almost 6'6 six, six in height, um, and, and, and they all have great versatility, meaning these guys can play both left and right tackle. They can slide inside and play some guard. Um, so I think that's just a testament that, hey, they, they wanted to get bigger up front, which we heard Co- Coach Wolford come up and speak and say that yesterday. They wanted to get bigger up front, be more physical up front, and that's exactly what they did on the offensive line. You look at um, the, the defensive side of the football the defensive backs, all these guys are like six one and six two. So again, they wanted length. And another thing they mentioned is they they wanted some athleticism. We heard uh, the receivers coach, Coach Wiggins, he said they they got guys with track backgrounds, guys with good frames but could run. And uh, that's a common theme we're seeing with football. That was one of the things that uh, Coach Matt Rule always talked about. You know, they they liked having guys that had speed and could run and that they could develop. And that seems like that's what Alabama's doing. They want guys that can come in and stretch the field. Um, they got uh, the Juco receiver um, who's going to come in with some experience, who's a, an explosive playmaker, very dynamic guy who can who's, who can definitely stretch the field. Um, he's he's coming from, uh, I think it's, uh, what's the school in uh, in Kansas, I believe. But anyway, man, they, they, they got Hutchinson a, Jr. Hutchinson, I think it's Hutchinson, yeah. So they, they got a lot of, a lot of good uh, players 
Um, but really what I was most impressed uh, impressed about was on the, the defensive side of the ball, the the guys they picked up in that front seven, you know, that these guys are very disruptive and specifically the, the linebackers, you know, three of them are, are edge guys, but had the versatility to be able to play inside and, uh, Watching these guys on tape, if you if if y'all haven't uh, seen these guys, you know Quay Rousseau, Keon Keeley. Um, if, if you haven't seen those type of players on tape, uh, I highly suggest you go check them out. I mean, these guys are phenomenal. They fly around the football field. They're fast. They're physical. They're making guys pay. And and again, they're so versatile. You can move them all around. You can play them on the edge. You can line them up um, at the sack backer position. And, and on your third down packages, you're going to have a lot of lethal weapons. Um, if you want to continue to use that that cheetah package, so a lot to really be excited about. And uh, I mean, I could go on and on. You know, there's two two quarterbacks in this uh, class that are that are great athletes can can throw the ball well, put some zip on it, can drop in the basket. Uh, you know, some big frame guys that have good legs as well. So uh, a lot to look forward to in this recruiting class. And uh, man, I'm uh, I'm excited for uh, the opportunity the, uh, these guys have, and uh, happy to welcome them into the the Alabama Football Brotherhood. Christian, did you see, and you briefly touched on on maybe one or two, but I know a lot of Alabama fans are concerned about what and with the losses at wide receiver through the portal. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there freshmen in this class that, based on, on your observations and, and knowledge, uh, that can come in and perhaps play? To me, and I may be way off base, wide receiver, if you can catch on and do all the things that Saban wants to do, is a position that you can come in and contribute right away. Uh, make, ending this question finally, uh, wide receivers that you think may be able to do something. Yeah, uh, man, that's a great question. And uh, sorry, now I have my, my list in order. I was kind of scrambling around. I have my iPad pulled up now. So um, at receiver, like I mentioned, you, you had uh, the guy coming from Juco, from Hutchinson, Malik Benson. And, uh, again, this guy yeah. has great speed. He's got that deep threat ability. He can stretch the field. Um, he's a great route runner, but I really like that, you know, he demonstrates good body control and spatial awareness. You see him, you know, uh, frequently make these acrobatic type catches. Um, and so, you know, with his skill set and, uh, you know, his experience coming from Juco, I expect a guy like that to be able to come in, step in and offer immediate help at the receiver position. Um, we got a guy in, in Jalen Hale and Jaron Hamilton, both guys like 6'1", 190-ish. But, again, these guys both are athletic guys. You know, Jaron has a track background, so he's very fast. And uh, Jalen, you know, is a very talented athlete, played basketball and ran track in high school. So, um, again, these guys are very quick. And not to mention they got a nice little slot-type uh, receiver in Cole Adams from Oklahoma. And uh, he, he doubles as a returner, real shifty and elusive guy. He's only like 5'10", but plays bigger for his size, and he's quick. I mean, he posted a 10.65 in the 100-meter dash, so he, he's definitely another quick guy. So I, I think you know, all those guys are going to come in there. And, and not to mention, all four of them are here early, if I'm not mistaken. Um, maybe one of them, or three of the four at least, if not all of them, um, are here early. So they're already in the program, in the weight room, developing. They'll be here for spring ball. I know they had uh, said that uh, Malik Benson was one of the – few guys that was able to come down to new orleans and practice with the team early with the new rules and they said he uh he demonstrated exactly what they thought he was uh, capable of doing down there in the bull practices so they're really excited about him so if i had to choose one of these guys matt i'm going with malik benson uh juco wide receiver from hutchinson uh, to come in and, and offer some immediate help at the wide receiver position now this is uh, on the junior college ranks, not opposed to the high school ranks. But Benson was number one across the board in every receiving category, correct? In all of junior college, and that's that's pretty high cotton because these guys have been playing. 
Yeah. Um, and to be the number one, number one, number one all the way across the board. And since he has played at a level higher than high school, then Christian has nailed this one. I, I really think that uh, he's the guy that has the best chance to come in and contribute. Hey, we're going to talk some general sports in just a moment. We're joined by uh, my good friend Jeff Spiegel from 3340. He's a longtime sports anchor, sports reporter, sports director. Um, and he goes back close to the Bryant years with me, too. So we'll talk with him and also want to talk and continue this recruiting thing with Christian at the bottom of the hour and something that we talked with Rick Christoffel about a little earlier and, and, and some of the changes in college football. And, and I, I think a lot, some of it, uh, has been since Christian has moved away from the game on the field anyway. So I'm just kind of doing that as a footnote to my own feeble little brain. In the meantime, Speaks is next on Big Noon Sports. This is Big Noon Sports with Lars, Matt, and Christian. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Ask Big. Have you seen our artisan-created diamonds? If you've been in a room with one, you can't miss it. Tom Osmond from Fincher and Osmond. Linger the low at 33. Tomorrow, a brighter day, becoming mostly sunny, the high 50. And Saturday, sunny with a high at 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 43 degrees in Tuscaloosa. She walked away through a cheap pack of cigarettes. Hardly could mix with a bit of intellect. Back on Big Noon Sports, thanks for joining us. you got Christian Miller, Matt Coulter. Lars is uh, taking the last hour off to go talk to his classes as he is a professor in the journalism school at the University of Alabama. Joined now by a longtime friend and journalist here in the Birmingham, the Alabama area, and that's Jeff Spiegel. Uh, Spiegel, I think I understand that uh, maybe you just took some you just got back from vacation any any comment on that and first of all how are you oh good gracious i'm doing great uh last week was like one of the best vacations of my entire life uh our family our entire family including our two grandchildren four-year-old dylan and 20-month-old thomas uh we went to uh walt disney world and we did the Magic Kingdom, we did Epcot Center, we did the Animal Kingdom, and it was awesome with a capital A and 50,000 exclamation marks. Wow. Well, the grandkids make it really, really special. It seems more of a chore when you go with your own children, but when you can go, they're taking <laughs> care of the grandchildren, and you're getting to enjoy all the spoils. Uh, that is great. Okay, i got to ask you now. Does Speeg still get on the rides? Oh, heck yeah, man. I rode the Everest experience at Animal Kingdom and thought I was going to suffer a compression fracture, but but I survived. I did great (laughs) and uh, didn't hold my hands up the entire ride. In fact, I think my eyes were closed 90% of it. I'm still proud of you. It was great, though. Um, All right. All right, when, when you got back, and if you're down there, you're kind of in your own little environment. Maybe you don't keep up with sports. Sometimes when I go on vacation, I intentionally don't. Uh, when you got back, what was on your desk? What was in your email? 
Well, you know, I was uh, I was pretty plugged in because you know we had uh, we were at Fort Wilderness and we had uh, we were set up with an RV there and you know we got uh, so uh, you know I've watched a tiny bit of the Alabama Oklahoma game Saturday, um, which was uh, which was just plain ugly uh, from Alabama's perspective. Uh, you know, did not catch the Auburn game, but you know checked in on a few other college basketball games and. You know, kept up with the news every morning. I look on my phone and see what I, what big stories I was missing here. But um, yeah, so I was uh, I was you know generally plugged into what was going on. Jeff, I want to ask you real quick uh, in terms of uh, Alabama basketball and yeah. uh, what, what you've seen from them. I mean, obviously they're the, the top team in the SEC right now, but after what you saw against Oklahoma, then they were able to rebound and, and really uh, annihilate a Vanderbilt team. Do you still see them as being you know, a contender to win it all nationally this season? Well, it's really easy to, uh, to overreact you know, after a game, so – you know, you have to have a little bit of caution, you know, after you see something like that. But I also think the same is true, you know, after the big loss, you know, against Oklahoma. That That's why it was really cool to see, you know, some of the national pundits and some of those guys who really, really follow college basketball closely, who didn't take away their number one overall or number one seed, who didn't knock them too far down in the polls. They only went from two to four. But it was one of those cases in Norman where, you know, Alabama didn't come out sharp, and Oklahoma came out, you know, wanting to make a statement. You know, they've lost several one-possession games, and they wanted to show, hey, man, we're we're representing the mighty Big 12 here. We're a pretty good basketball team, too. And I think, you know, a, a statement that was made after the game, how many times have you seen a fan base storm the court after beating Alabama? It, it's that, is that the first? I, surely it's not the first. But I was taken aback by that going, wow, Alabama's really come a long way as a basketball program when teams uh-huh. beat them and their fans stormed the court, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't so, ever so remember then, happening. Then they, then they come in Tuesday, and, uh, and man, he gets after them in practice, and they get up extra shots and all that stuff, and and they come in and they're zeroed in. When this team is dialed in and they're playing hard on defense and they're getting transition buckets and they're knocking down threes, are they a Final Four team? Yeah, they're a Final Four team. Is this team built to win it all? Yeah. But having said that, once you get into the NCAA tournament, you know, the ball has to bounce your way too. But I definitely think this team has enough talent you know, to not only get to the Final Four, but uh, yeah, but win the national championship. Jeff, let's move to football, and I'll ask the daily question: Who's on your radar as far as coordinators at Alabama? Well, it sounds like I'm reading a story today, right now. I'm looking at it right now on CBSSports.com that uh, their Nick Saban is talking to Tommy Reese. The, uh, the Notre Dame offensive coordinator. Uh, and, you know, I think Tony Sukalis, I think, had video of the uh, of the plane there in South Bend, so that kind of confirms it. But, you know, I mean, I think, I think Saban's looking for a good fit for him, but I also think the coaches that he's talking to, you know, they're looking for a good fit for them. 
you know, all because Alabama comes calling doesn't mean Alabama's right for you. And I don't know what entered into Ryan Broom's thinking that he's better off staying at Washington. But, you know, I know he's worked at some <laughs> West Coast schools and all that. But I know this. When you go to Alabama, you're going to work hard. And I don't know how many coaches out there, when they consider taking the Alabama job, do they consider, what's well, a lot of work. You know, I mean, I, I know the payoff, you know, is pretty big. We win a national championship. I'm going to get, you know, maybe some head coaching opportunities. But I don't know any other college football coaching staff in America who works harder than, than Nick Saban and his staff do. And that's what Nick Saban demands. So, you know, sometimes I think, although maybe some coaches won't admit it, you know, the workload is, is pretty intimidating, you know, and, and, and working for that guy is pretty intimidating. But I do know this. If you are being interviewed by Nick Saban, if you are on his short list as far as offensive coordinators, A, it, it, it puts you very high on a visibility level in terms of, you know, getting other jobs. And, uh, and, and B, I mean, it just, uh, it's good stroke for the ego too. And we know all these coaches have egos. No, I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head, Jeff, it, in terms of, you know, getting the right guy for the job. And that's what I keep preaching because, um, you're exactly right. And I was saying earlier on the show, um, it takes the right person to be here at Alabama, both in a coach's role and a player's role. You know, you alluded to the fact that it's hard work. It's not easy. Um, it's just a, a tough workload and, and, uh, everyone knows this, you know, coaching under Coach Saban is not the easiest task, but it has a huge payoff. So it takes the right person in that role, and I think that's what they're going to do, find the right person, the right fit. Um, continuing on football, you know, yesterday was signing day, and, and uh, we did the show there at the stadium, but they also uh, spoke a little bit about you know, the preview of what they just announced today in the Yay Alabama program. Do you know a little bit about what they just unveiled with the Yay Alabama program? And, and if you do, what are your initial thoughts on that? Gosh, my knowledge, my knowledge of that is, you know, it, it is not very high. But, um, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I do know this. Alabama does a tremendous amount of things right, you know. And, uh, and, and there's just, I mean, if there's a blueprint for a, a college football program, you know, out there in America, I mean, a lot of people, you know, are, are using Alabama. And um, that's why guys want to come play there, you know, as you know. That's why guys, you know, uh, want to coach there. Um, that's why that's why they have more out-of-state students who attend school there than uh, than in-state students right now. So, I mean, there's so many things. There's so many things going right for Alabama. Everything they touch turns to gold, and I have no doubt that'll be the same with this. Well, and they topped it off with another recruiting class. And I'm not going to ask you to evaluate the recruiting class. I'm going to ask a personal one. You and I can just maybe go down memory lane. How much has it changed in the last 30, even close to 40 years, on recruiting day from a media standpoint? You remember jumping in a microwave van and driving all over the world? Uh, I remember yeah. one, of my, one of my really special memories is driving to Inslee and talking to Cornelius Bennett. Uh, now standing in his living room, his mother was cooking biscuits. I mean, it's it's the story that it's the story we don't get anymore because it's not that big of a deal. But just, just take a trip down memory lane and what it was like when we were first in this business covering recruiting. 
Yeah, I mean, it's pretty crazy. You're right. I mean, you know, it's always been a big event, right? And the fact that, uh, you know, you've got ESPN and you've got, you've got all of this, it's just, it's just magnified it. And ever since Nick Saban came to Alabama, I mean, National Signing Day is, has gone, has gotten even more incredibly huge. You know, here, um, what, one of my favorite stories actually doesn't involve, you know, covering Alabama. It's when I was in Knoxville, and uh, we were covering the recruitment of Heath Shuler from Bryson City, North Carolina. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, one of, and one of the uh, – it was down to Tennessee and Alabama, and he chose Tennessee. And so we went over for uh, his signing day, and uh, it was me. And guess who my photographer was? Uh, Steve Phillips. Yeah. A 71-year-old man – from the church that I attended. A trip over through the Smokies to Bryson City, North Carolina. It was one of the coolest days of my entire life. And from that point on, I was a big, I was a big Heath Shuler guy. I love that guy. And, uh, but it was a really cool deal. I mean, it was a big thrill for him, even a bigger thrill for him than it was for me. But I got a big thrill because he was enjoying it so much. And, uh, so that's my favorite recruiting story right there. And, uh, of course, uh, Heath Shuler was just, uh, was just really an awesome dude. So polite to my friend and such a nice first class guy. And, um, that, that's, that's my best recruiting story. You know what I remember about Heath Shuler? I mean, he was a very, very good player. He didn't pan out in the NFL. I think he ended up with the Redskins maybe a year or two. But the one thing I remember yeah. was like in SEC media days, he revealed, and this may be true even today. He revealed that in his entire life, he had never had a soft drink. <laughs> Why do I remember that? I, I mean, don't know. But well, that's some... cause, cause, probably because you've had like a, a million of them. And look, look, how, good yeah. oh, look yeah. how good a shape you're in. Well, you, you haven't seen me lately, Jeff. That's all. But I haven't been chasing kids around Orlando either. And that, that will, uh, that'll keep, they'll keep you fit, man. Grad kids are the best. I know you're up. So my best to Dylan and, and Thomas, and uh, my many thanks for you joining us. You're always very generous with your time. Uh, tell Pam that she is always in our prayers. And I had the, the dinner with James Pan last night. So all is good in my wow. relationship with the folks at 3340. Well, tell Christian he's one of my all-time favorite players. Oh, I appreciate that, Jeff. Man, it means a lot, man. I'm glad to have you on the show, and uh, please come on as, as much as you like. All right, man. Y'all have a good day. See you, Jeff. You too. Um, I'll tell you why. Christian was likely a media favorite. Nothing against the other guys on your team, but, man, if you're in the television business, you find the guys that can give you 15, 17, 18 seconds of sound, good, and you're off. And you (laughs) use it in your your story, Uh, whether it be a written piece or, or, uh, you know, a broadcast or a radio piece. uh, you, you uh, if you're worth yourself as a reporter, you find out who those guys are, and then throughout the season you wear them out. It's a smart All tactic. Right. Uh, I want to. It, it is, and it you know Lars teaches that. Believe it or not. Uh, have you anyway, t- have you uh, class? we got another. <laughs> yeah, I've, I yeah I have, uh, and and it's a really good experience because uh, the one thing that Lars does from a media standpoint. Is Lars has lots of hands-on experience. Nothing wrong with the journalists and uh, professors and those that hold doctorates 
uh, and, and what they provide. But it's it's good to have somebody that's been in the field. All right, when we get back, I got to get back to uh, Christian and, and talking uh, about changes in football, not just at the college, but the high school and the professional level. I want to get into that on the other side of this break. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. The weather outside might be cold, but these deals at Townsend Nissan are hot, like $2,000 discounts from select new Nissans and finance rates as low as 1.9. Back on Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter and Christian Miller with you today. Lars is in class. Christian, the one one of the things that I have noticed um, literally seems to excel over the last couple of years is that it's important that you have uh, five-star or first-round draft picks or the best high school player on the block in any level of football. But to me, the area that is most noted now is wide receiver slash cornerback. And you talked extensively about that position a minute ago and how Alabama is recruiting. You used to be able to uh, be 5'10 and play in the SEC. Uh, you used to be uh, – Levi Wallace could compete. Now, he still does it at, at the NFL level. I mean, he's a good friend, but he's he's an exception. Uh, is To you, is, is, is that one of the things that has changed the most in football and maybe more than corners – Wide receivers that met that you know make Odell Beckham catches like every every game. Um, so so you're asking. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to make sure I answer your question right. You're saying corners. No, and, it's it's just corners that, and receivers. You feel like are uh, the, the most difficult position to come in and uh, contribute. I, no, 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 no. I I just think that the game has shifted the talent level at those two positions. Yeah, I mean, I think it has. I think part of that is, you know, the offenses have changed, right? You know, you used to see a bunch of pro personnel and, and uh, you know, downhill runs, especially in the SEC, you know, guys lining up in 12 and, and 21 personnel, fullbacks, you know, running power and ISO. And, uh, that, that you know, the receivers weren't as uh, – I wouldn't say not as needed, but you know what I mean. They, they weren't as involved right now in these offenses. You see, you know, four guys split out wide. This air raid offense, offense you know, um, heavily contributed by, you know, uh, the late Mike Leach. So receivers are, are influential in these offenses. And the more dynamic you are, uh, the more value you add to the team. Um, because, you know, again, you look at guys – um, like a nice Smith from Texas A&M, you know, younger brother of Mo Smith, who I played with here at Alabama. You know, he's only five ten or so, but um, he he can you can line him up in the slot, you can line him up outside. They they put him in motion. He's running rocket, you know, uh, motions. He's getting the ball in reverses. He's just very dynamic. He can kind of do it all. Um, so you see a lot more of that now in football, uh, but you also see at the cornerback position. Um, guys are really requ- required. You have to be able to play man coverage. Um, you have to be able to cover guys, right? You know, used to be able to see corners that could just play zone and, and be good cornerbacks. You know, Richard Sherman was, you know, probably the epitome of a, of a zone quarter, cornerback. You know, he came up with all types of interceptions, but he struggled with man coverage. Nowadays, you know, these coordinators like being a lot more aggressive on defense, and um, there's so many routes being run by the offenses. These, you have to be able to cover. 
whether you're a cornerback or a safety. So, yeah, I would say those two positions definitely have, you know, kind of progressed over the years um, with these new style of offenses. When you were practicing, I know linebackers would be in a different group, but Saban would work uh, end of end. A few times I've actually been able to attend practice, you would see Nick working with corners and safeties. Um, right. Did you observe that? And um, no, I was busy, man. I, I was think... practicing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I, I saw uh, it out my periphery, but hell, if I'm watching him yeah. coach, then I'm not doing my. <laughs> I'm right, not getting right. better. Right, but I, I mean, <laughs> was was he direct hands on during scrimmages though? <laughs> with with corners, maybe more so than linebackers. No, he's he's focused on being a head coach. Then look, the only time he loves working with corners, Matt, but that's in the individual periods, right? I mean. When we're scrimmaging, he has uh, the full view. Uh, he's normally standing behind the offense, and he's watching everybody. He's not just focused. He's, honestly, he's focused on the football and what's going on in the play because, again, he's a head coach. Um, I know he loves cornerbacks and loves working with them, but, again, when you see these clips and all, all the times that he's like really you know one-on-one coaching these guys, that's during individual periods. So I'll give you a quick layout, and for the people listening, they might not understand how practices work. You get out on the field. You normally do a quick little walkthrough, and that's like a pre-practice walkthrough. And then once we finish that up, that's normally like five, ten minutes. We'll get in our stretch lines. We'll do our stretch. And then once you break the stretch, we used to do some things like a fastball period. We jump right into it where we would literally practice up-tempo. And we'd have an offense little go up-tempo, just get on the ball. And it was almost like a pre-practice conditioning period, but it also was a way just to kind of get our blood flowing. But, man, when I tell you that period was hell, because, I mean, you're, you're just starting off fastball. And, then, I mean, and it was all because of teams like Texas A&M when they had, you know, Manziel and stuff like that. That's what we were gearing towards. We do that every day. And then after that, then you'd go to individual period, and that's when you, um, you're with your position group. So, you know, I was outside linebacker. I'd go with the outside linebackers. We'd do our position drills um, with each other. So that'd be things like, you know, we'd practice, you know, technique things. You know, we'd do little bag drills, work on our footwork. We'd work on our pass rush moves. We'd partner up, work on our um, hand uh, engagement, you know, striking a guy, using a ball to, to play the cut, stuff like those uh, type of drills. So you'd do that, and then you'd kind of get into – uh, you know, like the the team drills, where you go, you know, we had good on good periods, where it's like the ones versus the ones. Then you know, uh, but before that, you do like the basically the the ones versus the scout team on both sides of so the offense would be going against the scout team. That's when you're kind of putting in your plays and um, practicing for the the opponent ahead. And then you'd have your good on good periods where we're kind of going against each other, and it's really just to make each other better. Then you'd go back to kind of game planning, working against the scout team. Then you'd finish with team drills and then a conditioning period. So. That's the practice layout. But with all that being said, the time that Coach Saban's really working one-on-one with those cornerbacks and those DBs is during the individual period. Now, he does hang out on the defensive field when we're doing you know those scout periods because he's a defensive guy. He does watch that. Now, he will come up to coaches. Like, say I'm lined up at outside linebacker and I mess something up. He's probably going to yell at me first, and then he's going to be like, you know, explain like hey, you can't, you can't go outside. You know, we're bringing somebody, whatever. You can't, you know what I mean. So he'll work with you then, kind of like that, but not in the capacity that you were kind of alluding to with the cornerbacks, where he's really coaching those guys. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes great sense. And thanks for the explanation. Um, on to m- more practice questions here. Uh, did you hit on certain days, and when you hit, were you getting after it? Oh, we always got after it at practice, but it, it, it depending on the day, right? So. Uh, Mondays practices, you know, that's your intro practice. You know, we usually would be in 
uh, what we call spider pads, which is like, you know, soft padding. It's not a real shoulder pad. It's just kind of a, uh, cushion, a little cushion, soft padding that you wear. Um, and then you're in shorts and that's kind of like your intro day. You're, you're, you're getting your introduction to the opponent ahead. You know, it's really, um, and it's not a day off, but it's, you know, kind of, you just played on a Saturday. So you still want to give your body a little bit of time to recover, but you're getting a good practice and, you know, you're still flying around, running around, but you're, you're tagging off on guys and it's more so, uh, you spend more times and you have more time of in meetings. So the practice is slightly shorter. Um, but again, it's just really just to kind of uh, acclimate to the team you're playing uh, that week. Then Tuesdays, we, there's, we call those hard hat Tuesdays. That was an emphasis on running the football in the running game. So, um, yeah, th- that was the, that hard hat Tuesday where we're getting after it, uh, stopping the run, doing goal line type situations, um, really physical practices. Wednesday um, was another physical practice, but it was a little more pass based, third down based. Um, we'd run our, you know, practice our pressures on on a Wednesday. Um, so that's another, you know, full padded practice. Then Thursday, you're back in, you know, your your shells or your spider pads and um, kind of, you know, wrapping everything up, reviewing the entire week. You know, they probably made some adjustments throughout the week, depending on what they saw in practice, if they liked something or not um, going against, you know, some anticipated, you know, plays or personnel or formations. Um, so Wednesday's kind of wrapping it up. It's kind of uh, similar to a Monday, but, you know, kind of the conclusion of the practice week. And then Friday is when we, you know, have our walk through and getting ready to travel or stay in the hotel for the, the game the following day on a Saturday. Because as uh, the tradition continues, you don't stay at your own house or dorm or apartment on a Friday night or home game. You stay right there at the, is it the Sheraton? Uh, was it, uh, the, I can't even think of the name. Is it Denny Chimes? Or, that's not Denny Chimes. What's the, <laughs> the hotel right it's across the one right the across from the baseball stadium. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. can't even think of the, uh, the name right now. Hotel Capstone? Capstone. There you go. Thank you. Capstone. Hotel yeah. Capstone. Th- thank you, Aiden. All right. Hey, we need to take a break. When we come back, we'll wrap up this rainy Thursday edition of Big Noon Sports. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. You're going to feel a puff of air. Jong's optometry has set their sights on staffing up. Try the next line. Hey, Kim, can you tell our 2 o'clock we're running 15 behind? Sorry, we're a bit backed up today. He needs to linger the low at 33. Tomorrow, a brighter day, becoming mostly sunny, the high 50. And Saturday, sunny with a high at 58. I'm James Spam on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 43 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports. Christian Miller, Matt Coulter. You got Josh, Joe, and Aiden, and uh, we thank you for your time today. All right, I'm going to do one of these things of A plus B equals C, all right? If A equals B, B equals C, then A equals C. Let me put it correctly, algebraically. All right, Mac Brown. This is not going to be hard to keep up. Mac Brown was just given a one-year contract extension. I think he will, it will, you know, continue him at about five million dollars a year, but it's through twenty twenty-seven. Um, you know, that's another year 
that their assistant head coach for defense and what I was led to believe, the head coach in waiting, which, by the way, has never worked. I'm getting to the fact that Gene Chizik is one heck of a defensive coach. Um, could it be that since they've extended Mack yet another year as head coach at North Carolina, do you think there's a chance? Am I stretching it way too much here, Christian, that they might Alabama might talk to Gene Chizik because I think he's a heck of a DC. Um, I, no. I, I'm not sure. Maybe I, I think they're going to interview several. Um, you know, so people in, in different uh, positions on both sides of the football at the coordinator position. So um, I think there's a chance for anything. I think everything is on the table at this point. I, mean, I just want to, you know, but look, you got to understand if they wouldn't have fired Pete, if quote unquote fired, if, you know, they didn't have somebody in place. So I think that's, it, that just goes to show you, like, I don't think they were trying to get rid of Pete, right? Because if we know Coach Saban, right, he wouldn't just get rid of somebody without having a plan. Um, so I think they were kind of, you know, a little caught off guard. So I think right now they're just trying to get the best person available. And that's what they will continue to say, and that's what it continues to be. But it is, uh, it is, uh, it's sports talk fodder, and that's what we do. Um, as we wrap up this edition of the show, Christian, anything out there, I'm going to kind of lay the canvas out in front of you. Anything else you want to bring to us? You want to tell us something else Nick said yesterday? <laughs> I think I covered it all. I mean, again, he, he just uh, sounded like he really wanted to speak his mind at that event. And, um, you know, that, I thought he said a lot of good things in terms of, you know, breaking down the recruiting class, but also just, you know, just laying it out about how, you know, the, this new program for NIL, it's just the way things are, you know, whether people like it or not. It's, it's you know, necessary to, to compete at a high level and sustain um, that success. And, um Again, he's not afraid to tell tell people. You know, if if, if you want results and, and you you want to you know criticize, you know you're more than welcome to do that. But put your money where your mouth is and uh, make sure you're doing your part as a fan. And, and he's not saying financially, just with the NIL stuff. He's saying showing up, coming to the football games, coming to the events, showing up at a day. Um, you know, bringing that environment to Bryant Denny. Not only just showing up. But really making a difference, you know, being loud, you know, not just coming there and just, oh, expecting, oh, well, we're going to beat somebody. No, like, enjoy it, you know, have that same passion and energy like you did when you first got there. And because uh, he's just he's basically saying that, that that stuff is important. And, uh, and he also was talking about how um, nowadays with all the social media and stuff, people see these things. So, you know, maybe not be so critical of these guys because they're reading these things. They're, they're seeing the stuff you're saying about them. And um, he's just basically saying, like, hey, support us, support the coaches, support the players, support the program through and through, not just when we're winning, but through every single obstacle and uh, everything will work out just fine. And basically just trusting him and his staff um, to do their job because they've been doing it at a very high level for a very long time. And there's no need to, to panic. He basically said, I'm not worried about anything. I'm cool with the, the standard set here. I embrace that standard, but I just need everybody's support. Um, as we do go out there and look to accomplish the things we want to accomplish and continue to play up to that standard. Does it boast your resume even to be mentioned as a possibility of one of these coordinators if you're a college football coach across the nation? No doubt. I mean, you look at it, I don't know the deal with the, the Washington guy, but I'd imagine if you're a coordinator at a school and you have a, a program like Alabama reaching out, looking to hire you, they're inquiring about you coming to be their coordinator, coordinator, 
um, that basically is going to say, hey, this guy is probably a quality guy that we want to keep around. So I'd imagine it gives these guys room for negotiations to get some increases in their salary. Um, It also puts them on the radar of other programs in the near future because they're going to say, hey, he uh, Alabama reached out to this guy last off season, so he might he might be worth something. something. Maybe we need to look into him. So you're 100 percent right, Matt. I think a simple call or tweet uh, from Chris Lowe about you being a, an emerging candidate um, that alone is adding value to these coaches without them even ever even coaching here at Alabama. And, and, and to me, that's just a testament uh, to to the standard and and the uh, just the significance of the program here and what they've been able to build here at Alabama. Um, it just goes to show you how special that A means uh, throughout the sports world. And that's another thing Coach Saban spoke about yesterday in terms of NIL um, is how much that A means and that these athletes are going to have that platform and that opportunity uh, all strictly, but just because of the brand. You know, Alabama is one of the biggest brands in sports, period. And that's globally, right? I mean, obviously, they're one of the biggest brands yes. in college football, but in football in general, they're one of the biggest brands. Um, and, and, just, and if you look at them compared to any other team in any other sport, they're right up there with the best of them. I mean, I, you can travel anywhere, Matt, and I don't even care. You can travel out the country and you will find an Alabama fan. I guarantee oh, it. Oh, yeah. I. There's no question. Um, I often see this picture um, uh, of a store in Israel. Wow. You know? And it's all Alabama stuff. And uh, I've had the pleasure to have traveled uh, abroad, and it was with Ken Stabler, so everybody in the world knows who, knows who Kenny Stabler is. And they're That's all right. coming up and saying, Roll Tide in London, and a lot in Frankfurt because our military was there. Oh, but, yeah. Um, it, it is. It, it it's a very cool thing. I think most Alabama fans know that and embrace. I'm glad you brought up the A because it's my understanding from our our sources behind the glass that this particular NIL collective, whatever you want to describe it as, is associated with the university to where they can use the A. Did I read that right, Josh? Joe, Aiden? Yes, sir. So how big is that? It's affiliated with the school. High yep. Tide was a third-party association. Yes, this is full-on just with the school. So they can actually rub the script day. Anything that you donate to with the legend, you can actually get tax-deductible as well. Oh, There you go. That's uh, It's very cool. That's there a, you have it. Christian was right there on top of it. Oh, yeah. I love that script day, by the way. Uh, hey, Christian, be careful in the rain, will you? Yes, sir. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Have a wonderful day, and please do watch the web. Haven't heard from us lately? It's probably time to update your Tide 100.9 app. You may need to go into your phone's app store and run an update, or even reinstall the app. The radio station.